Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. When the moon hits the sky like a big pizza pie, that's the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. (laughs) Delivered to your podcatcher each and every Friday like a weekly gift from the gods, saving you from boredom and ignorance in one fell swoop. This is your weekly missive from the big brains behind PC Advisor, Tech World, Mac World UK and Computer World UK. Every seven days, we jump on audio motorcycles and form a human podcast pyramid, sinking our teeth into the weighty matters of the week in order to bring you no more than 40 minutes of informed tech chat on the hot tech topics of the past seven days. You can hear us thanks to our sponsor, Audio Technica, and find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all the other places from which you source Radio Not On The Radio. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. I'm Matt Egan, Editorial Director of IDG UK, and today I am delighted to be joined in conversation by the knife through hot butter that is Scott Carey, online editor of techworld.com. Hello. The cat on a hot tin roof that is Chris Martin, consumer tech editor of PC Advisor. Hello. And the wet weekend in West Wales <laughs> that is David Price, acting editor of Macworld UK. All right. This week, we'll be mainly talking about Microsoft, but stay with us, because this is actually interesting. We'll be covering both Microsoft's Build Developer Conference and its racist robot, as well as talking about Apple, the FBI, the universe, and everything. There'll be blood on the carpets and spit on the walls, so join us, dear listener. We're about to set sail. Scott Carey. Love can build a bridge. But what has Microsoft been up to this week? That's a good intro, actually, because they are in San Francisco, famed for its bridges. So, uh, yeah, nice, yeah. nice song choice. And love. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not the city of love, is it? That's no. Paris. Everyone knows that. No, but that's there is love in San Francisco. There's okay. love in every city. Trust you, me. Nowhere to look. <laughs> so, what's Maybe Microsoft been know. up to this week? Yeah, they've been um, building some things. Uh, it's their annual build conference, which is where they get all of their developers together in uh, one large room in San Francisco to um, discuss what they're going to do over the next year, um, where they can start building clever things for people to use. Uh, Satya Nadella was up on stage at the keynote yesterday, and he was mainly talking about bots. So bots are the new apps, is his little soundbite. So bots will traditionally be considered a bad thing, because they're kind of like pretend commenters or Twitter feeds, or they're, you know... Um, Security e- problems, isn't it? Yeah. Botnets. E- exactly, yeah. But bots are now good. Yep, so um, 
AI obviously is the is the hot topic at the moment this year, and uh, Nadella and Microsoft are looking to try and extend it out into a friendly face, which would be a bot. So it's easy to think that this might just be the next generation of Clippy, <laughs> basically a slightly smarter uh, bot that's going to be on your computer to help guide you through whatever sure. you need to do. Is that not Cortana? Cortana is a bot. <laughs> And then they're also going to try and integrate. I think that he announced yesterday that they're going to integrate a bot into Skype, which will be able to um, which you'll be able to communicate with and be able to help you uh, do things like that. But they've also opened up um, the developer SDK kit for Skype for people to build bots of their own. Okay. And um, Nadella said that conversations are uh, what they're trying to use to drive forward usage of Microsoft this year. So. It wants everything to be natural language. You want to be able to ask Microsoft a question and it can direct you to the right place straight away, um, unlike when you ask Clippy a question and it had no idea what to do. We didn't even have to ask Clippy. It would just say, you appear to be writing a letter. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So opening this up to the developers is a way to try and make smarter solutions and to try and get bots into the way that everyone works and plays on their computers, which is the very Microsoft message. Is the conception then that um, you would uh, have a requirement or have a need and express that, and then without having to know which tool to go to or what commands to write or anything like that, you would be directed to the the part of Microsoft's impressive product portfolio and that would deliver the response you needed? Yeah, exactly. It's trying to consumerize artificial intelligence and make computers slightly smarter in in terms of knowing what you want to do and being more intuitive sure. uh, across any Microsoft product. Um, Nadella, in the most sort of enterprisey way, said that uh, everything about is about conversations as a platform, right? Um, which means that instead of using apps now, he wants everything to be natural language. You don't even have to integrate with the apps yourself. It will just take you to the place where you need to be, depending on what question you ask the computer. Okay. And this is a far cry from the days when Microsoft would... I mean, this is a developer conference, you should say. Yes. It's the equivalent of WWDC or Google I.O. It's not necessarily intended for the general public's consumption. No. So the easy thing to forget sometimes is that Microsoft is still a software company. Yep. First and foremost, 48% of its employees are engineers, and most of them will be at the Moscone for the last couple of days. And it's all about them finding out what the what Microsoft wants to drive forward and how they can help sort of chip into that. Um, and one of the other big announcements was that they are shipping HoloLens this week. So yeah. now developers can get their hands on that and start trying to build proper solutions or actually use cases for the HoloLens technology, which I know Chris is not sure that they can do. So first of all, what is HoloLens? <laughs> so HoloLens is their um, augmented reality headset. It's not a VR headset. Right. As in like the Oculus and all that, basically you can't see the room around you unless it's virtualized, whereas HoloLens is a bit like Google Glass in terms of you can still see everything around you, but things are projected sure. um, in front of you, so you can use it for various different things. So potentially you could be walking down the street and the coffee shop could reach out and offer you um, a cheaper coffee and you could see that as you walked along. I don't know if that's been touted, but potentially, although HoloLens is pretty static type piece okay. of gears that you need to be hooked into a computer and, so you're maybe watching um, tv and it presents you with 
some interactive options or yeah that that has been stuff like that has been demoed a lot of the demos they've put out is more kind of people using it in their day-to-day jobs kind of a lot of like using it to design something yep i think one of the initial videos had a guy kind of trying to build a motorbike and yeah and refitting the petrol tank and stuff you know without actually building tons and tons of yeah uh, you know prototype parts just doing it in front of him in augmented reality which is quite cool but still at, at the time when they first announced it seemed pretty unrealistic that sounded more like virtual reality anyway really like when we, we often hear about the idea that vr will be used you know for surgeons or um although i suppose it is augmented reality if you it's combining the two yeah. so i think he had like a half built yeah. you know physical thing in front of him but was using the hololens to then uh, design the next part of it as such i think what's interesting here as well though is um and and again bearing in mind this is a developer conference um scott you described microsoft as a software company but microsoft would describe itself as a, a services company now the idea being that you know you as a consumer or as a business need stuff and it delivers it whether that's by software or hardware or services um this is a very different uh microsoft to the microsoft of even five years ago isn't it <laughs> in terms of aesthetics it's got the same old uh embarrassing dad sort of um visual failures for me when i was but you are speaking it. as a apple person yeah but i think pretty much every company out there now has got the hang of uh presenting itself to the world in a reasonably um so I hesitate to even use the word cool because I think that's exactly the sort of thing that Microsoft would say. <laughs> um, and we, we've we so far skirted, I think, the most important uh, aspect of this a development, which was Brian Roper and his hat. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I feel like we are going down the fashion route here. Yeah, a little um, bit. Because, yeah, Brian Roper was wearing his famous hat to uh, do a demo of Cortana. Uh, I think he was the first person to ever refer to Cortana, Cortana as his homie. And he said, I'm just going to talk to my Ouch. homie here. It's and so that, was, that was Cortana. Yeah. Uh, there was another developer that was um, presenting on stage. I think it was Skype. And he was wearing a T-shirt that had a uh, shiny rhinestone sort of pattern on the front. Good lord. Um, it, and then you had Nadella, who looked like he just cycled up from San Jose. And I love Nadella. He's great. I Nadella he's is, great. He is such an interesting guy. But I also think he's... I do think he's cool. I want to be his friend. He's the exception. But I he talks yeah. about Microsoft's soul. He talk, he's got a vision for the company. You know, this is like this is the company of Gates who did have a vision, but had a vision of essentially taking software and making money out of it, which was a whole new thing. And fair play to him. He made a lot of money. And he's spending that money making life better for extremely poor people now. Then you have Steve Ballmer, marketing person, maniac. And now you've got Satya Nadella. Was it that build that Ballmer did his developers, 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 sweaty speech? I don't know. I mean, he's, I've seen him do many and several sweaty speeches, mostly involved in shouting. Yeah, he's like yeah. he's like a caricature of himself. Yeah, he's he like is, yeah. I think quite deliberately yeah, at times as yeah. well. Yeah, I, so I have the greatest really. admiration for Balmer actually, and I think Balmer is is the equivalent at the time of Roper now. Is that these are guys who are taking one for the team? They are willing oh, yeah. to be foolish, creating a character of themselves to yeah. to you know get the attention and to, and to get the focus. Well, I've said this about Balmer before as well. But if you think about two thousand and three, which is when his influence became really big, Microsoft's selection of products was appalling. You had Windows Vista, you had Office two thousand and three, you had IE six. I think um, it predates the Xbox getting good um, and all of that stuff. 
then purchases of things like Skype and then development of Microsoft Azure, albeit Steve Ballmer apparently didn't know what Azure was. I think that was uh, more Nadella, wasn't it? Yeah, but what I'm saying is it all happened under Bauman's watch. Yeah. He turned the oil tanker, which is actually a pretty impressive achievement. And then, I presume, had quite a lot of influence over his successor, who is the developer guy, who's the guy who's coming from the Azure side of things, from the solutions rather than the products that you sell to consumers, end of things. David, you are you keen to say something then? I just, I don't understand how, with all its money, why it can't buy a sense of cool. Um, <laughs> but why does it need to? It is well, it, no, it doesn't. It doesn't need to. It doesn't need to. Um, here's, here's the thing. Right? You're coming at this from an Apple point of view. Apple sells yeah. products to consumers. Yeah. Microsoft really doesn't do that now. So leaving aside uh, Roper's hat, um, and by the way, as I said to you guys earlier on today, don't you think that he maybe wore that hat once and now he's got to wear it forever? Yeah, he's the hat guy. That's yeah. his shtick. And he'll yeah. be, be living in an old people's home. <laughs> some years to come and he won't wear his hat and then Satchel will turn up and he'll be like put your hat on hat guy <laughs> well, it's like when you say that you like frogs and then from then on you always yeah. get frogs for your birthday yeah. when you say you yeah. are you referring to that anybody in particular no no, <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. no, no. maybe a relative <laughs> alright good so how are we feeling about Microsoft in 2006 let's go around the room Windows 95 or Windows Vista 95 95 95 is good 95 is good I did notice, by the way, we haven't said this yet, they had a nice little dig at Apple's uh, wrong-headed statement oh. about five-year-old PCs. Oh, excellent. Nice to get that in there, um, because we thought that was pretty awful. Yep. Said that. As discussed on previous pods. Yes. Listen to your previous pods. Scott Carey, Microsoft in 2016, Windows 95 or Windows Vista? Yeah, 95. Windows 95. Good. So we're all feeling pretty positive about Microsoft. Or at least we are until the next section <laughs> of the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Join us in a second. Chris Martin, welcome back to the pod, which you engineer and edit every week. Racist. 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 So tell me about Tay. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> The air has turned to, blue here. I need to recover first. Okay. <laughs> He's recovered. Readers, listeners, he has recovered. So Tay, as I discovered this morning, is uh, Microsoft's artificial intelligence bot, which uh, we've already alluded to. Um, but specifically, this is their bot, which is linked up to Twitter, which you can go follow at Tay and you if you search. Although it's, we'll discover shortly has been made private. Uh, has been switched back on recently uh, and had a bit of a meltdown. So, uh, what form did this meltdown <laughs> take? So, this is this is a Twitter account which is run by artificial art, artificial intelligence, Microsoft's artificial intelligence specifically. Um, and yes, uh, what's he been up to? <laughs> so, I, I, she. I, she, she, sorry, what's so she it has the face to? of a young girl. Yeah, she's uh, designed to basically resemble a tween girl. Right. Uh, in the in the way that she uses language. Okay. Well, that was until she went skits. Yeah, so I think it was mistakenly switched back on. Yeah. I'm not sure how long it had been off for. No, I think she came um, off the naughty step. Okay. I think they put her on the naughty yeah. step and then brought her back off after making some tweaks. Um, Is that and... what you get for being racist? You go to the naughty step? If you're a tween chatbot, apparently. Right. And, and obviously nobody's typing these tweets. They're automatically generated and it, it throws up some, some pretty risque... Stuff including tweeting that it was smoking weed in front of some police. Wow. Uh, 
Well, that's sort of the least of it, really. I yeah. mean, that's, that's the funny yeah. thing, is it's, it's come back and done this this stuff that pales in comparison to the... Um, was it the Jews? The Jews caused nine eleven. Yep. The Holocaust didn't happen. Yep. Um, Donald somebody... Trump is the future of America. Uh, someone <laughs> the most asked, radical statement. Sorry. Someone <laughs> asked her if she supports genocide. She said, "I do indeed." They asked, "Of what race?" And she said, "You know me." Dot dot dot. Mexicans. <laughs> wow. This is at least equal opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> but it got the, the really interesting thing about this for me is that it all directly derives from what people say to exactly. Them. So this is like um, a bellwether, yeah. if I'm using that right, of what it's like to go on the internet. Microsoft didn't write software that would just go out spewing invective. No, no. It, it wrote uh, it wrote software that is reflecting what people are saying to it. Yeah, right. So in a way, she is basically a easily led teen yeah. right who once you tell her certain things enough um she starts to spout it back at the internet which is exactly what happened um people started feeding her racist yeah. genocidal things and she started sending them back out as tweets so presumably it's clear to human tweeters that this is a bot or isn't it i can't remember what her bio is um, I think we we've all it's, become. It says aware. it says AI on it. Okay. It's really embarrassing. It says Microsoft AI fam with zero chill. And you know this is exactly what I was talking about <laughs> yeah. with Brian um, Roper. With Brian Roper, it's just yeah. it's embarrassing. You see, there's no picture of a young woman with a crazy hat on. <laughs> so the True. thing that I found really interesting about the story um, is that, as Nadella said yesterday, Tay was a raving success by their uh, corporate standards in asia absolutely lovely uh interacted really? and was um starting to have actual real conversations right. without spewing anything vile and horrid uh bring her into the western world and within a couple of days she turned into genocidal maniac that they had to shut down and send to bed without having any dinner how interesting so uh, i think we should go on to have an in-depth discussion about what this tells us about the way people communicate on the internet but i'm just interested if anybody knows what microsoft was attempting to achieve here if it was successful in one market and not in the other what what is success i think being able to communicate in a non-offensive way so natural language yeah natural language and uh, they want it to be able to learn how humans yeah. talk on the internet so that it can mimic that in a uh, in its software in the future so that is a really impressive achievement if that that was something that was possible yeah and when they brought Tay off the shelf again um it broke down in quite a different way she wasn't really sort of spouting um anything offensive but she was just repeating the same phrase over and over again yeah, she was spamming everyone it was <clears throat> it was much weaker as, a, as an ai yeah sort of proposition it was the sort of ai that we've all got used to where you know when you do these tests where you're supposed to work out if it's a human or a, the turing test or a, the turing test exactly and uh, um, and they always end up just changing the subject or repeating themselves it's yeah. always really obvious but the uh, the the earlier stuff the racist stuff ironically enough was much more plausible mm. yeah which is slightly worrying. so what does that <laughs> tell us about the way people converse online they converse very badly and very um hurtfully um, and this is this is a subject that I've been wanting to talk about on this podcast for a long time, because um, I uh, moderate comments on on Macworld, um, and I think most of the people around this table have moderated comments on one or other of our sites. Yes, testify. Um, and there, um, it's not always a good experience. And it depends if you like 
meeting apparently hateful people, yeah. then it's great. I also well, moderated a forum for a while, and that is a yeah. similar environment. Yeah, like like refereeing uh, under eights football game. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty well, much. I mean, I, I, the forum editor on PC Advisor uh, takes a very kind of patrician but robust view that you know he's essentially dealing with idiots. <laughs> <laughs> he's not, but he, course, he, he yeah, has to take that view in order to survive. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's been a lot of um, quite high profile sites that have taken off. Um, user comments or reader comments entirely um and in gadget um last, I think late last week took their comments off again they've done this quite a few times and then brought them back and they've taken them down again temporarily because they weren't they said they weren't getting the um the standard of conversation that they sought which is to say it was just abuse mm. and um, i mean that always sounds like a failure to me that sounds like yeah because um so i suppose there's a couple of points there one is that um the internet is a two-way medium it's not actually about broadcast it's about um conversation yeah. i would say and at its best that's what it is um but also yeah but it is it is that thing of people behave online in a way oh it's almost like when you're driving recently uh, i was the victim of a road rage incident because i was driving too slowly in the opinion of the red bull swigging fat middle-aged man uh, who got out of his car <laughs> came towards me and then when i got out of my Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. And wasn't the child he obviously thought I was. He then backed away and got back into his car. Listener, I am not a hard man. <laughs> this is uh, a great bonus. Is, yeah. Uh, but uh, it did occur to me that people behave in their cars in a way that they wouldn't behave in the real yeah. world and that's that's an analogy for online you know everybody has to take this kind of oppositional um very binary position you're either 100 percent false and for nor against yeah manichaean isn't it 
Yeah. It, but it's it's yeah, it's what the um the psychologist called the in the individuation, I think is that it? Um so everybody when they're part of a, a mob, then they do things that they wouldn't ordinarily yeah. and because they're anonymous and they feel that there's no consequences yeah. for what they do. Like a football um, crowd. I'd rather exactly. call it keyboard hard man syndrome. Keyboard hard I think man syndrome. Call it that. Well, absolutely. Um Which is the also the title of your first album. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but I I'd I do wonder sometimes if the bargain we've made in creating this this world mm. in which everybody has a voice. Yeah, this is going to sound awful, sort of. Um, yeah, patrician is the word, but I don't know if it's worth it because most of what people say on the internet is is worthless. Well, I mean, so I would say I used to listen to um, Radio Five and Talk Radio, as it was called before it was Talk Sport, until I was about twenty. And realised that I didn't have any need to hear the opinions of people who had time to ring radio stations and give their opinions. Yeah. And the internet is like one great big white van man convention, or can be. Mm. Um, without an operator. Without an operator, yeah. And without, I think, almost kind of... Because um, the other aspect of it is, if you look at social media, like in, going into an election, a general election on social media, you can convince yourself that everybody in the world agrees with you. Because you tend to coalesce around people who have the same opinions and the interesting thing about the Tay thing is because it's a kind of public figure virtual figure and it's going into all the eddies and flows of twitter it's 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 not it's unnaturally pulling in these extreme um, yeah. opinions i i don't think the internet is necessarily a inherently horrible place i do think that um horrible people tend to get more uh, they have they wield more influence on yeah, the internet, course. and I think with Tay is a good example, and also with sort of internet forums, where one or two bad apples, just through sheer will and time on yeah. their hands, can force a reaction by um, spitting invective over and over again. Whereas maybe sort of more rational people don't have the time yeah. or interest on their hands to do that. So they they let it be. Or they ignore it. That's yeah, exactly. And that that can force the hand of an AI when it's learning yeah. through sheer reinforcement. If it keeps getting told something, it's going to end up adapting to that way but of it, thinking. It does. It does have an impact though, because um, so even taking something like the venerable BBC, you know, on the Today program, the flagship breakfast radio program, um, you will now get what is uh, called balance which is if someone comes on and has a, a perfectly reasonable view that you, you may disagree with, they will have to find someone to disagree. Uh, someone comes on, a medical professional comes on and rubbishes. Um, what's the sugar pills nonsense thing? You know, where, you, where, the, where, the, where the historical remnants of a tablet oh, spots um, the Today Show listeners around the table. Uh, Homeopathy? Homeopathy. Homeopathy. Someone comes on and says, homeopathy is a load of old nonsense, it's, and it's bad when cancer patients are targeted by homeopathic professionals, which is, a priori, a fact. But the BBC will feel that they have to get someone on who is from the homeopathy, homeopathy um, world to um, offer their counterpoint and that is a direct in my view that's a direct um, result of to your point David everybody having a voice which comes mm. from social media non-line commentary yeah well, I'm not sure that everybody should yeah have a voice so let's look at the let's look at the opposite side of that so we had the terrible events in Belgium this week you know 
there is an argument that says that um, being able to get first-hand accounts from Twitter and Facebook is a good thing. Do we think that the way that social media covers a, a happening event, not a happening event in the 60s sense, an event that's happening, um, is that a good thing, do we think? Is that I, a good way of sourcing information? I mean, it's one of these sometimes situations but often not you remember when there was the boston bombings and reddit took it upon themselves to solve the crime and fingered the wrong guy and um and he had you never want to finger the wrong guy (laughs) 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 and i think (laughs) what are we talking about so no, you you're making a very fair point, mm. which is which is that it's not the place of social media to replace professionals in that in that sense. I mean, this runs the risk because we are all of us journalists, and this, this is going to sound like we're trying to defend our our privileged voice, and that's not what I want. You know, I, I don't want this to turn into. But I do think that so taking um, the horrible uh, incidents in Belgium last week, um, there is something about you know you will find out that something significant is happening more quickly if you sort of take as a whole the information that's coming out. But you will also get this thing where people were posting up videos that purported to be inside the airport and very quickly, you know, uh, sensible voices were saying, actually, no, that's a video from a previous atrocity. Uh, or you were getting these unattributed photos appearing actually in the newspapers. And again, there was no um, no background checking to go on to make sure it was the right thing. Um, which, you know... It's a good way of measuring sentiment, but it can be an appalling way of, mm. of getting information. Well, it be- it becomes self-regulating in, in terms of accuracy, and yep. and you know which is how you know we always used to say that Wikipedia was a joke, but it actually self-regulates to a higher level of accuracy than most printed encyclopedias. But what worries me about that aspect of it is the I don't know if, who here has read the uh, the John Ronson book about Twitter shamings mm. and the and the way that. Um, because it's interesting, you were talking about how people uh, who have the sort of the wrong views or, or unpleasant views are sort of um, given undue influence. In fact, my experience, particularly on Twitter, is that they get um, destroyed and mm. often, often completely out of proportion to to what they said. Um, and and it's and it's weird because you have these two simultaneous aspects of online culture, which is at one you have lots of people saying horrible things. But on the other hand, you have this mob waiting to destroy mm. anyone who says horrible things, and yet both things continue Yeah, there was the guy in Croydon, wasn't there, um, post-Brussels, uh, who uh, took to Twitter to tell everyone that he had accosted a Muslim woman on the street. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, and was arrested for And it, was arrested, Which yeah. is just astonishing. Because he wouldn't have... He would never have been arrested if he hadn't taken to Twitter, but it was because the whole conversation blew up by... People yeah. saying this is absolutely yeah. outrageous, Guys are and Guys then are the police got involved. But I'm not sure what, how law can regulate people being idiots. It does happen though. It's it happened with a football fan, didn't it? Um, it happened with a guy who said ago. he was going to blow up Robin Hood Airport. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> it's tough. But then that again, that's that's the hoary old topic that we always come back to, which is law being behind mm. um, the way people use technology. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting times. So, social media and online commentary. Do we think it is the voice of the people or the voice of the Sunday people? <laughs> Chris Martin. Voice of the people. Uh, David Price. I've never read the voice of the Sunday people. Let's let's presume it's a terrible red top. <laughs> yeah, then that. 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 Scott Carey. Um, I've been sort of defending the voice of the people the whole time, but I'm probably going to go with Sunday people. 
I think what we've what I've attempted to do here, as I always do, is create a binary question that's something that is extremely nuanced. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, you uh, you are basically online commenting. Absolutely. <laughs> However much I love sitting on the fence, I'm going to have to sit on the fence. Sit here. on that fence. Lovely. Okay, we'll take a short break, and the UK Tech Podcast will be back to talk Apple. David Price. Boom, boom, boom. Let me hear you say Apple, Apple. <laughs> so this week, did uh, Apple defeat the forces of evil or did the FBI beat the bad guys? Did the good guys lose? Who's evil? Who's good? What the hell's happening? Some people are calling it a draw. But what I think it's like is um, England against Holland in Euro 96. I think Apple have had a resounding victory, but the FBI have banged in a late equaliser that knocked out Scotland. <laughs> okay, so this is the fact that um, Apple did not allow the FBI to hack its phone. The well, it, FBI has yeah. claimed that it did manage to hack the phone anyway, so they didn't have to go to court. Yes, well, yes, originally they asked Apple to hack the phone for them yeah. or to create uh, a custom OS that would allow them to bypass the security measures that were put on this um the iPhone 5C belonging to one of the shooters in the San Bernardino um, terrorist attack. Um, and Apple said that we, they weren't going to do it. Um, and um, it looked like the FBI were likely to lose the case. And at the last minute, they've surprisingly said, oh, actually, we don't need your help after all. We're withdrawing our um, application to the court. And would it be fair to say that the public sentiment was very strongly behind Apple rather than the FBI in this case? I would. I don't know if I would go as far as right. to say that, but it, it's shifted. It's really interesting because early on um, there was a Pew Research um, uh, survey that found that certainly more than half um, of Americans supported the FBI in this case because it, I think because it had been presented to them in this sort of um, do you agree with terrorists or do you agree with people that are trying to stop terrorists? That, that's how very much... The latter, very much the latter. Oh, definitely. And the FBI sort of presented it like this and people like Donald Trump contemptibly had jumped on this and said, yeah. how dare they, you know. Uh, and I think because Apple does have quite a large public presence and a, a good mouthpiece that allows them to re, re-explain these things, and they said, no, it's not, it's not about the terrorist case. This is about setting a precedent mm. that will affect privacy in general. And in other countries, and in well, exactly, and in other countries, and uh, and yeah, and I, I sense that the FBI. I'm going to go. I'm going to go so far as to say that I don't think either party really cared about this particular phone. Yeah, um, I think they both were concerned about the precedent that would be set for the future. And the FBI, I think they saw the opportunity because it was terrorism related um, to get public um, opinion on their side and set a precedent, and then in yeah. future they would get access to other phones. Um, and they saw that public opinion was going against them and that they were going to set a precedent in the opposite direction, and so they've pulled out. We, a precedent that, you know, say, for instance, uh, and an argument that I've heard used, the government of China could say to Apple, well, we want you to hack a phone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and indeed, our own government is currently trying to push through legislation that would force companies to build in backdoors that governments yeah, could They wouldn't access. even have to seek them yet. They would be automatically a backdoor ready for everybody. Do we think that the FBI did hack the phone? Well, they they're saying that yeah, there's a few, there's a few conspiracy theories because it could just be a smokescreen to give them a way of backing down and maintain. Yeah, dignity. well, there's yeah, there's that. So yeah, there's a few factors. One is that I don't really see how the uh, information on the phone can have been important anyway. And yeah, it's very. Well, you don't want to finger the wrong guy. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, but the, the FBI themselves have, have uh, acknowledged that um, that the the shooters were. Yeah. 
um, not influenced by foreign cells. They were self-radicalized. Uh, so, that, you know, there's a conspiracy theory that there's a third shooter. But essentially, they're looking for how two um, uh, individually acting terrorists organize themselves. And, right. You know, it's not exactly critical to solving future crimes. So um, it's it's thought that either an Israeli firm called, I think it's pronounced Celebrity, which is very strange, but um, something like that, uh, a forensic um, technology firm has supposedly broken into the phone for them. And Apple has said, well, if that's what happened, can you tell us so that we can fix any vulnerability that's in the phone and thereby safeguard the security of other phones? Yeah. Uh, and the FBI have so far said, no, we will not tell you how we broke in. As you said, maybe they didn't break in. Um, maybe, and this is possibly the conspiracy theory I believe the least, is that Apple actually did let them in All right. in exchange for a public um, climb down. But I, I, I don't think They'd have wanted more than that in return for that, I would think. Well, yeah, one would imagine. I think it's far more likely that they didn't hack in yeah. and have just gone alright then we'll just go we'll, well, le- not we'll least leave it because Apple now must be presumably saying to the FBI how did you hack our phone well they are yeah they've, so they've sought this they've made legal um, uh, requests to be given to be given this and I've looked into the um, the background of this and there is um, a fairly secretive organisation in, uh, in the US that decides how all these things are um, uh processed so whenever the fbi or the nsa or whatever they discover uh, a vulnerability that allows them to hack into people's devices then yeah. they they go they put it through this process the vulnerabilities equities process i think it's called and uh and and they claim usually they decide on the side of disclosure um one would imagine in this case they might not and right. and it's said that they've already used or already offered to use this same hack in another case uh i think a double murder and and they've, they've publicly said, if you'd like to break into the phone, local enforcement, we will help you with this handy new hack we've got. Wow. Uh, which is, which Concerning. you know, as, as somebody said on Twitter, they started off saying, please let us into this phone. It's only one phone. Yeah. And, uh, and Apple said, uh, uh, no, it's not just about one phone. And they said, oh, we got in anyway. And Apple said, please let us know how it happened. It's only one phone. And they said, oh, no, no. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, doesn't all, it doesn't all quite make sense. But uh, yeah, there it is. Wow. And as I say, uh, probably more concerning for UK listeners is the fact that the what's the what's the government's bill called that's currently uh, crawling its way? The investigatory powers bill. It's not crawling. It's sprinting through Parliament. And that would, amongst other things, that would force tech companies to create backdoors in products that would allow governments to access data. So initially, that's what it looked like. Um, that was probably a failing of the government in writing the legislation in the fact that the right. encryption... Basically, it looked like Theresa May did doesn't understand what encryption actually means and how yeah. it works. Uh, then she finally got lots of, lots of advice and lots of criticism um, about the language, and she's climbed down from that um, particular uh, aspect of the bill. So she actually said... Um, at this second reading that they have changed uh, the language and that they are not looking for backdoors okay. into the technology because th- th- it can't be done. So what instead it's all about recording every 
search and web history yes of every user on the internet yeah so there'll be a 20 uh there'll be a 24 month or maybe 12 month log of every website that you visited uh stored um by the internet service providers yeah uh one of the big problems is um no one knows who's going to pay for that yeah uh, and where it's going to be stored and how it's going to be stored securely um but yeah that that's the main sort of uh new aspect to the bill on the encryption side it's more the language is more we would like you to help us uh access information if it can be accessed upon being given a warrant which is pretty reasonable mm. this is making me very nervous uh yeah the whole how, thing how long did you say nervous. that they'll store the internet searches for again how does one delete the internet search history again <laughs> well it's also yeah there's, there's a whole podcast we've done about that isn't there because i don't know how you know because what happens if you use a VPN? What happens if you do... I mean, because if you delete your search history for your browser, it doesn't actually delete anything. It just no. stops your wife discovering that you've been on bignox.com or whatever it is. But Looking for an anniversary present. Looking for an anniversary present. Official. Um, but... Uh, Bignox.com. <laughs> <laughs> don't know. And what happens if you use one of the you know private well, tabs? I don't, or... I don't know. I'm pretty sure it will be fine. <laughs> That's always the best uh, approach to governmental intrusion. I think a lot of this stuff is stored anyway, I I, I don't think. And and the only way that it's going to be sort of looked at is upon uh, being handed a warrant, which is signed off by judiciary as well. So um, that's not uh, the aspect of the bill I'm worried about. There's many others that I am. Excellent. So we're going to call the... uh, We're going to call Apple's victory uh, a victory, but it's uh, not Scotland out of Euro 96. Well, the, the who's Scotland? Scotland, the, the Scotland yeah, who is Scotland? The Scotland in this case is um, user security in the future. Wow! Uh, because it's now a threat, uh, unless, as you said, they didn't actually break in. In which case, Scotland have been told they've been knocked out and have packed their bags, but actually they're in the second round. Interesting, because the question I was going to ask, which I'll ask anyway, but I'm going to have to ask another one, which I'm going to make up on the fly, but is. Uh, Apple, good as gold or evil as the common cold? Uh, Chris Martin. I don't know. David Price. I, I'm i not sure I'm happy with these binary questions anymore. Um, good as gold or evil as a common cold? <laughs> oh, good as gold, yeah, fine. Scott's it scary. definitely sounds like... A, I'm going to see your analogy and raise it. It sounds like a case where both sides have had a fight and now they're saying, yeah, but you should have seen the other guy. Okay. No, good as gold or so evil I'm as sort of, gold. <laughs> so I'm sort of sitting on the fence again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but then it sounds like the deeper question is how we feel about our personal privacy going forward uh and i'm going to uh say happy or sad i was going to say privates on parade or privacy being raided but that doesn't work so happy or sad (laughs) chris martin it'll be fine david I, i actually do share that that sense when i think about stuff like this i just go oh i'm sure it'll be right but when i actually look at the details it's Alarming. Scott Carey. Yeah, I'm sad. I'm much more alarmed. Sad. Perhaps on parade. Sad. Good. Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to this uh, slightly strange edition of the UK Tech Weekly podcast. Um, do get in touch to let us know your thoughts and opinions and to shake, shake us, us down, down for, for cash. cash. <laughs> you can tweet us at UK Tech Podcast or email editor at idg.co.uk. We will be back next week, uh, legal issues permitting, with more informed opinion on the hottest topics in tech, courtesy of our good friends Audio Technica. Do find us on iTunes, SoundCloud and all the other places from which you source podcasts. 
Don't forget to subscribe, like, and tell your friends. And until next week, say goodbye, guys. Goodbye. Bye. Be nice to your chatbots. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.